welcome to Get the Facts Jack, a <laughs> weekly podcast from Jack County, Texas, sharing factual information to the citizens of Jack County. And I'm your host, Judge Brian Keith Humphreys. And to my left, none other than Wolfman, Wolf Jack. Frank <laughs> Kevner. Wolfman, Wolf yeah. That's and reaching back a that? Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> Wolfman, Jack. You know, well, I, I keep looking over here, and you know, I've called him Disco Daddy. I've called him uh, what is it? The, I don't know. You tried to call me emergency management co- 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 coordinator. Yeah. One well, time I get tongue twisted. That's just part of it. And, <laughs> but anyway, you have a good weekend. I did, man. It's a good Monday, isn't it? It is a wonderful Monday. We had quite a crowd in Commissioner's we, Court uh, today. Yeah, but we got some sweets out of that. We did. And, uh, it's always my favorite highlight of the whole year is whenever our four Hers come in and demonstrate and share with the commissioner's court all their successes at the Jack County Youth mm-hmm. Fair. And, oh, my gosh, we get to taste all their uh, prize-winning blue ribbon uh, yeah, what did infections. Not, what did not sell during the, during the, the show, that I, it was brought to us. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. My goodness, it was I good. got to lick the spoon even. <laughs> yeah. <that. laughs> <laughs> the raspberry, I think it was the raspberry, I don't know what those were, but they had some type of raspberry filling in them. Oh, my gosh. And, raspberry uh, Crunch Bars, I think is what it was called. Well, there's an old saying that, that's out there that uh, that'll make you take your tongue, slap you around a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed a big old glass yeah, of milk. Yeah, just big old glass of milk. It was, it was good. so good. Well, it's not very often that I feel like I'm the uh, – uh, I am surrounded by two individuals today that are absolutely – uh, the smartest men in the room. And yes. so both of these individuals came. That's and only because he's got a split personality. <laughs> <laughs> Good going. <laughs> we had a, a big crowd today on we Commissioner's did. Court. And so one of the things that um, is facing Jack County is um, we have uh, several wind farm projects that are in the works and specifically one that's a little further along than the others uh up towards the north part of our county northeast part of the county uh you know there's a potential that some of it could be in clay county and some in montague county but uh last week uh commissioner gary oliver and myself attended a meeting by north texas heritage association in newport and i have to be honest with you gentlemen I didn't know how many would be in attendance. I had information uh, that this meeting was going to occur, and a young man, somebody who I used to work with very close in Precinct 1 whenever I was commissioner, Ronnie Cafagna, called uh, the day of the meeting and invited me. And uh, I'd already planned on attending because I wanted to better educate myself in reference to these wind farms. And so, lo and behold, I, I drove up to the community center, and it was standing room only, and it was packed. And you got my full attention whenever I turned and drove into town. So with us today is Mr. Uh, Brian Barton with the North Texas Heritage Association, and then also with him is Mr. Roy Christie. Is that correct? Roby. Roby. All right. Well, they are absolutely uh, they are the experts, and they are the voice of opposition. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll, I have to admit, over the weekend, I thought, Judge, what are you doing bringing the opposition onto a podcast in something that historically is commissioner's court would 
automatically, I'm going to say that automatically be in favor of a wind farm, a, a major source of tax income into our community. Judge, before you move further, I want to remind you of what you, what you and I discussed um, after that meeting that you had Friday, uh, where you said that, you know, typically a judge will walk into a meeting and thinks that a judge needs to talk and take control and lead. But you said on this one, you had to just sit back and listen. Just be quiet and listen to what was being said so that... Do you know how you hard that is that for is, me to do? That is difficult. <laughs> but, um, but that was something I remember you telling me after that meeting uh, that you needed to hear what was being said. You're right. And, uh, and I'm glad you got these guys here because of that. I am too. And, and that just even more um, solidified the importance of both of you gentlemen being here today. Uh, we did listen in commissioner's court. Uh, we were able to um, uh, provide some, uh, maybe some insight of where our mindset was and the actions that we had taken, uh, anticipating a day like this. And we established a relationship, and that's what we're doing now, is uh, opening up a dialogue between uh, everyone to where we can be, those that want to, and I say this every podcast, those that choose to be educated in reference to this uh what what this project's about, then we want to provide we want to provide a platform to where people that choose to be educated can learn more about what's going on with wind energy. And so, uh, gentlemen, welcome, welcome, and I, I I'm so glad that you're here. And I tell you what, Brian, why don't you give me a little bit of history about the North Texas Heritage Association? Love how did to. it come into How did it come to existence? Well, bef- before that, just Let's go back to that meeting Thursday night. We put that meeting together in 72 hours. Mm, That's amazing. Uh, What we found uh, was demonstrably out of control demand by the residents of Northern Jack County to learn more about this, to understand it better, like you say, to gain knowledge. And so uh, I, in fact, got a call from the same guy you did. Uh, and he says, we need help down here. We don't have any experience organizing this sort of thing. We don't have the technical experience. We just have a lot of very angry and nervous people here. So uh, I went down. I had never met Roby before that meeting. That was his first case. He again contacted me about the meeting, and that room was full of about 100 people that wanted to come and learn on 72 hours notice 72 hours prior to that we didn't even have a venue so <laughs> we had uh, a quick ad in one newspaper and everything else was was uh, word of mouth and so we find this is a very very grassroots uh, uh, organization and we're structured that way we're very de- uh, democratic we're very uh, unstructured it's run by the people because there's so many passionate people about it. The origin of, of uh, the North Texas Heritage Association goes back about, uh, I guess, about eight years. There was two organizations then. There was one in Clay County called Clay County Against Wind Farms. Mm-hmm. And there was a parallel uh, organization in Montag County, and it was called Montag County against wind farms. And so we had two groups of people 
with exactly the same mission statement, with exactly the same goals, uh, reinventing the wheel, wheel every day. And so uh, we decided about uh, two and a half years ago, a little less than that, uh, to merge the two groups, uh, gain efficiencies of scale, uh, gain access to more skill sets with more people, where one area was a little weak, the other was a little stronger, and so it was a marriage made in heaven. Uh, we lowered a lot of our, our costs. We run strictly on uh, membership contributions. We don't, we don't uh, levy a membership fee. It's purely voluntary contributions by the membership. So about two years ago, we formed this new corporation. It's a Texas uh, LLC. We did that because a lot of uh, grassroots opposition to wind farms, uh, they found that their pockets are a lot deeper than ours, and they can sue us till the earth goes flat. And we're, we're basically ranchers and farmers and old retired guys like uh, Roby and I. We don't have a lot of that sophistication that a legal department in a major multinational corporation might have. So uh, we did it as an LLC for uh, the corporate veil. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a few other things like get uh, directors and office, officers insurance, a few basic things, and, and tried to tighten up the way we went about our business to be a little more professional, a little more focused, and rebrand ourselves. We, we got rid of the against connotation of Clay County against wind farms, Montague County. We wanted something more positive. And we found just in, in having get-togethers that we were all passionate about living in this part of Texas. Mm. I came a long way to live here. <laughs> I, I grew up knowing I was born in the wrong country. And when I was six years old, I saw Hopalong Cassidy, <laughs> the Lone Ranger, on my neighbor's television. And I thought, that's where I was supposed to be born. Away from this cold, cold weather. It took me a while to get here, but, but here I am. And we were all passionate about our love for this part of Texas. And so we thought, why not create an organization to protect all those wonderful Texas values that so many of us are passionate about? Pro protect the beauty of our land. And this is something that goes all through our organization in our mission statement, in uh, our publications, on our social media, it's about our beautiful land, and we want to protect that. And, of course, many people, myself included, feel one of the best ways to cause pollution is visual pollution and all the incumbent issues of, of a wind farm. So that's where we started. We are a group of... Uh, over 600 members. In the last week, we've probably gained another 50 or 60 mm -hmm. that are willing to... I believe it. Yeah. It, 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 we're, my phone rings all day long, and people I've never heard about, but they heard Robbie, spe Robbie speaking somewhere and wanted to call me or somebody else, and my phone is ringing up. There's so much opposition to the... Uh, uh, wind farm in, in the northern part of the county. One point you made uh, about it being in Montague County and Clay County, it is the same wind farm. It's the same shareholder. 
it's a French uh, utility company that wants to come, and they have uh, saddled, straddled the border there. The majority of it is, in fact, in Clay County. And uh, uh, a, a second wind farm company on the west or eastern part of Clay County that flopped over a lot into Montague County, they, uh, because of some of the uh, biology and uh, concerns that uh, we've highlighted there, they've ceased and desisted and gone away. And there is some talk that uh, possibly uh, this developer here will actually make it where it's one of the biggest wind farms in the United States going from northern Jack County, southern Clay County, and western Montague County. Possibly as many as 220, 625-foot turbines. So, Oh, goodness gracious. That's a 65-story building. Yep. That's unbelievable. That's really hard to even, you know, we have three other wind farms in Jack County, and they are nowhere near to that height. And so what is the purpose of going higher? Why why do they have to have them so big? Less obstruction to airflow. Yeah. Uh, The further they get off the ground, uh, the more powerful the wind is, uh, less holding it up. Um, the best I can remember from college was a laminar flow of water in a stream. Um, that straight line flow, when it's just when it's going over a waterfall, for instance, well, it's no longer straight line and it loses its power mm-hmm. to move forward. It gets turbulent. Well, those uh, really tall wind turbines are going to be up there where there's a straight line wind uh, and not as much turbulence. So tell tell our listeners again one more time. What is the anticipated height of this projected wind farm the the tower height the, the tower plus the uh, uh propeller blade the, the blade. blade in a vertical position uh, is reported to be 625 feet it's the latest uh, iteration of the, the wind tower and the main reason it's driving it higher is just uh, as roby says that that's the only way they can gain efficiency the actual mechanism of the turbine is pretty much as uh, refined as it's going to get. And the only way they can uh, gain efficiencies or, or uh, incremental uh, efficiencies is to go higher, to get more energy out of uh, the air as they go higher. You know, the only thing that I can have, Frank, that I can visualize that's anywhere close to that height, because it's, our our other wind farms are not they're 200 feet less than that would be maybe these radio towers here southwest of jacksboro are those about 400 foot about 400 tall 400 foot so that would the tower the tower where our where our communication sits is 420 feet so so the the base of these projected wind farms would actually be taller than those towers by 50% and then we would go ahead and put a, a blade straight a blade up. on top of that. How tall is this building? Oh, four okay. stories. Yeah, we're, yeah. yeah, we're not even. You're 40 feet tall. Yeah, yeah we're <laughs> let's, nothing. Let's say 50. So how many of these courthouses would you have to stack one on top of another? I mean, that's just, that's almost mind-boggling to yeah. think about how. And you mentioned not I have to go back to this word, uh, and I think it's a critical word, is 
visual pollution. Now, I live in the east part of the county. I live 20 to 30 miles east of the closest wind farm, and I can see them as if they are on my back porch. The red lights, now I cannot hear them. I I have to admit, I cannot hear the swoosh that people, um, you know, that always Mm -hmm. complain about the sound of it, the noise. But as far as a visual pollution, it exists. It truly does. It can't be denied. And that's that's at a much lower elevation. If if we were to increase by another two hundred to two hundred and fifty foot, um, that's a substantial number for yeah. people to visualize. But people talk about viewscape and the uh, impinging on the viewscape. And the legal opposition is, well, you can't complain about the degradation of something you don't own. But the fact is we all uh, work hard all our lives, and we eventually get our retirement home, and we sort of have this dream of sitting out on the balcony with your wife at night, having a glass of wine, looking at the beautiful countryside that, that this county has. And you can't do that anymore if you're surrounded by turbines it just doesn't happen it's an emotional factor and it gets uh poo-pooed a lot because it is emotional but it's really true Mm -hmm. it it is it's easy one of the things i hear is as well the people that are that are really aggravated about wind farms are the ones that aren't making the trips to the mailbox yeah and and that's you know and and we're in a big petroleum industry i mean uh, you know, I'm not going to say half, maybe 20% of residents of Jack County have experienced windfall uh, profits from mineral estate. Um, not everybody enjoys that trip to the mailbox. I don't. I do not own the mineral estate uh, to the property, the 238 acres that I own. Um, and it is a little it's a harder pill to swallow whenever there is no financial gain uh, to these type of things. To your point, um, a decision made by your neighbor will affect you for the next 40 to 60 years, yeah. in essence. And hope to God I have another 40 to 60 years. Well, true, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's there's something even more fundamental maybe than that. It's not the degradation of my viewscape or the pleasure my wife and I have a glass of wine so much. It's the fact that everything I own, I invested in that home. Mm -hmm. I came a long way to buy this land. I've bought what I feel is the most beautiful place. And and my wife and I spent more than we should have. We scrimped and saved my wife especially to build the home of our dreams. And the day my neighbor has a, a, a turbine put on over my fence, over my back fence. And in fact, I'm going to have a turbine on three sides of me. My property value is going to go down by probably 50 to 60%. Everything I worked for in the oil field all those years in the blink of an eye is gone. Now, that's just not right. It's not just it's just not right. My wife deserves to have more dignity in old age uh, than to have a house that she can't get her money out of. Yeah. So uh, I don't begrudge people for what they do in their own property. Uh, I'm very much a, 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 a 
property rights individual. But all of us are our brother's keepers at one level or another, or in some way or another. And all of us have a duty to protect and to contribute and to improve our communities. And when you have 2% of the population degrading 98% of the population's personal wealth, that's my pocket money, mm-hmm. there's something just, uh, uh, I feel immoral about that. I feel I have more to owe this, I owe this community more than something like that. You said it a little more eloquently than I did, maybe. Mr. Christie, how did you get involved in this process? Tell, tell me a little <coughs> bit of your background and, and, and tell me, share your passion about this issue with our listeners. Okay, well, I, uh, I guess I got uh, started in this process 30 years ago when I bought my land here in Jack County. Uh, but, so you are a Jack County landowner? Yes, uh, on Predo Road right here. So you're Jack northwest County. Jack County? Yes, sir. Okay. And um, we love that property and have seen wind farms going up or around, but we didn't give it much thought, thinking that, well, uh, they're a long way off. It's not going to ever get to us. Well, now it appears that it's going to be getting to us, uh, possibly get to us. Uh, they're already uh, within our view. Uh, when we look out the front door, um, the wind turbine red lights, uh, 18, 19 miles away, are just clear as a bell. And it used to be a black sky and stars. And now it's uh, those red lights on wind turbines that blink, not necessarily all at the same time. Well, we've kind of uh, just grumble when we see those but we were given an invitation to come to the meeting last thursday and uh, i learned more about wind turbines and so i'm as new at understanding this problem as you are mm-hmm. uh, and but it is uh, it is frightening to think uh, what wind turbine companies do in order to get people to sign a contract they tell them things often that are stretching the truth, if not just outright dishonest. But people need to know, and this is one of the things that I'm, I am passionate about, people need to know what they are doing when they sign a contract. The contract that they sign is a forever decision that they have made. Ink on the paper means they have to live up to that contract for the rest of their ownership of that property. On the other side, the uh, wind turbine company, they can choose not to honor that contract and get out of it if they want to. They can sell it to another company and uh, therefore get out of it, but move it on to someone else. The whole contract is built on the concept that the wind turbine company is first. The landowner is way second. It's a little bit like um, oil and mineral rights. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when a person that has the minerals on a, a piece of property, they they have a right to come onto your property, do what they need to do to get that oil. Um, well, the wind turbine company will be like that. And that they, they'll have a right to come on your property. You pay the taxes on it, but they run the show. Uh, they go where they want to on your property when they want to. If a wind turbine blade breaks, and you know those things are 
80 feet long or so, and they're, mm-hmm. they're huge, one breaks. Well, it's going to end up on the ground. And eventually there'll be another break. And before long, there is this uh, large stack of wind turbine blades that are not recyclable, at least so far. In uh, Kansas, uh, they are um, cutting them up, sticking them inside one another, and then burying them on the properties where those wind turbines are. Wow. And so you're not just looking at uh, the the wind turbine as it stands the first day it's there. You're looking at 15-year life of that, part of which is going to be a wind turbine going through some death throw where the, the blades, um, they break. They're stressed by all that wind. Um, the blade, tip of the blade, if it weren't managed properly, would be moving at faster, at supersonic speed. They had to throttle them back, so they're running subsonic. So they're, that, that huge thing is catching a lot of wind, surviving for a while through a lot of stress, and then ultraviolet light breaks them down. Mm-hmm. So eventually those go. Turbines themselves break down. They're going to end up on the ground if they don't catch on fire and burn the place up. So the, but the turbine company, uh, they're going to do what they do. They're going to go check for dead birds. They're going to go over there and uh, store their broken blades and parts and keep them on your property as long as uh, they desire because they've leased your property. Mm-hmm. It's as if they own it, but they're not paying taxes on it. Right. So it's a, I, I think got, I became pretty passionate about the issue. Uh, just thinking about the fact that, well, if I were to sign a contract like that, it is a forevermore decision that somebody is going to take advantage of forevermore. You had, you had mentioned the point that on the landowner side, the, um, the wording is May. May. And uh, for for the wind energy, no, yeah, and then for the landowner, we use the word shall, yes, which in legal terms, which is the area that I work in, um, there is no discretion on the word shall, yeah, <laughs> and so it seems like the burden of the responsibility or the loss is upon the landowner, and unless you're very educated in how that contract is written or lease agreement, um, it definitely bears review from someone not just an attorney but someone who is an expert specialized attorney in this and and they exist they truly exist but um you know one takeaway is is don't um make sure that you seek a professional that has uh, a great knowledge and expertise in these lease agreements and contracts. And you made the comment that as you meet with landowners and as they seek direction and counsel from both of you uh, men, uh, a lot of times once once that contract is is brought before a professional, an attorney, they say, never sign it. <laughs> yes. I can't let you sign this. Yeah. I, I just, can't in, let you do it. In, in good conscience, I can't. It's all it, one-sided. It, and it, that's... Um, and you know when a person presents you with a, a multi-page contract, I haven't seen one, but I bet it's um, a book full, that uh, when you are presented with something like that, it's got to make you wonder. 
what is all this fine print and how liable I am, am I for holding to my side of the bargain? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it, they take such control of your land that m- many of the contracts, if not most of them nowadays, prohibit you from hunting on your own land. You can't discharge a firearm. Ah, exactly. So uh, that's maybe not such a bad thing because there's no game left. <laughs> Wind farms drive off deer and, and turkeys and basically left with hogs at the end of it. Well, and you made the comment about somebody, uh, you know, a lot of times we take great pride in our wildlife and a lot of our landowners receive uh, revenue on an annual basis from leasing their land. It's a big part of the economy. It's a big part. uh, The hunting economy is a big part of the Jack County overall economy. It brings Tens of thousands of individuals to Jack County over the annual period. Most people don't think of that, but when we were doing our economic evaluations of, of the impact of a uh, a wind farm in Clay County and in Montague County, we went to the Texas Tourist Board to get some hard numbers for our research. And I was amazed at the the importance of hunting leases uh uh, in the area I, I was surprised and so i started asking questions a lot of ranchers will use that that income just to maintain their fences every year it's a huge part of of their income uh then on top of that when you add in the cost of local or the income or the uh, Revenue from local restaurants, from the local grocery store, from the local motel where guys go uh, take a shower before they go home, that sort of thing. It's really a surprising amount of money. And no one's going to go hunting sitting with their back to a wind farm. Mm -hmm. just isn't going to happen. And to your point, the discharging of a firearm, especially a deer rifle, is probably not very well received, especially when you have these very expensive blades yeah. right. that are made out of carbon fiber or yeah. high quality fiberglass fiberglass um a uh, a bullet strike could be <laughs> substantial yeah, to it could shatter it if the temperature's just right it could shatter a you had made a comment in one presentation that i had not and i really do i try to think through both sides of this and play devil's advocate and find a middle ground to everything but you made some comment that I never had considered. You know, we may not have a whole lot of snow in Texas, especially in Jack County, but we have a substantial amount of ice. And so what exactly does ice do to this blade? And what if ice does form on a blade, what happens when that that turbine begins to start up the next it's it's really if you're a physicist it's a wonderful educational experience to analyze that but a, a blade will gather a growing crust of ice on it there's no heat in it it's uh, essentially cold and so ice will stick to it and when the blade then starts up uh, there's, there's actual physical cal- calculations determining this at some point that uh, the adhesion of that ice sheath on the blade comes loose. And if the blade is going at full speed, 
the the ice they call it ice throw or blade throw of that block of ice can be up to 1500 feet oh goodness there's a case i uh and i don't know if it's still in court but a farmer in cook county had a substantial piece of ice go through his barn roof and uh uh the the wind farm company is disavowing it, saying it wasn't their ice. Yeah, how would you prove that? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's nothing really tall around there but that. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, all the all the farmer's got's a big hole in his roof. And so it's not uncommon. And uh, especially in Europe, this is a big deal in Europe, they have uh, setback regulations there that are actually calculated by the physical equation that determines the distance that a sheet of ice will be thrown by the blade. And that here in the United States, um, in Kansas, uh, they have had um, work on uh, ice throws. And the setback that's recommended up in Kansas, I was looking at this on the Internet the other day, uh, Saturday or Friday after our meeting. Mm -hmm. Um, They're they're talking about setbacks of 2,500 feet, Um, setbacks from property lines, setbacks from people's homes, farm, um, yeah. barns, and things of that nature so that uh, they don't toss those uh, heavy blocks of ice. One of the things that, you know, and this is an educational process for me as well, uh, part of the reason why we attended the meeting, uh, both myself and, and Commissioner Oliver, is to uh, gain knowledge and to listen to both sti- sides. And, and, I, and I've shared with both of you gentlemen that, you know, you can prepare a, uh, a, a three to five minute, uh, introductory, uh, letter or a, a topical letter, uh, to read before the commissioner's court, but the information you're providing us, you can't include in that letter, these right. explanations, the, the point about, um, you had made in reference to, um, the regulation, in the oil and gas industry, we know as landowners that if we have a problem, we can hold the oil and gas industry's feet to the fire by calling the Texas Railroad Commission, and they are responsive. Uh, <laughs> they have teeth. Yep. Um, they have fines. They have fill men that are in our community on a regular basis. Is there regulation for wind energy? Not that I know of. I and. and I, I confessed earlier that uh, I'm new at this, but I don't think so. It's it's considered an unregulated industry, and and it, we call it, it. I think it's called an industry a lot because what Brian says these are giant machines, and um, the the regulation that is really needed um, for wind farming would be the setbacks from how close to a highway, how close to a neighbor. Noise level at the fence. Noise level at the fence. And there, there is uh, some basis uh, for an argument that the sound that they make, part of it is you can't hear it. It's called infrasound. Uh, it travels into the, into the ground and begins to crack up. Uh, rock strata that surrounds water strata and then well you don't want to be busting up the your aquifer um so we don't know that that's going to happen here but that's one of the possible dangers of 
um, of those turbines as they turn. They're, they're heavy. Uh, they move fast, and uh, that hum tends to make a big difference. And that same infrasound is, is well-documented uh, to actually crack foundations of houses at surprising distances. But returning to your point, uh, Roby, on uh, uh, no regulation, oh, yeah. this industry is so unregulated that even in ver- environmental concerns, there's no regulation. Uh, we hired a highly reputed Texas wildlife biologist, spent a lot of money and did a, an extremely extensive and very professional uh, environmental analysis. It turns out, as we suspected, and some of our uh, ranchers have told us, the dead center of this uh, proposed uh, wind industrial park is the flyway for the central migratory route for many migratory birds, principally among them, among them the hooping crane. There's only 505 hooping cranes left in the world. Magnificent birds, six, five foot two tall, uh, beautiful white bird. Because of their size, they're not terribly maneuverable. They're not like a hummingbird <laughs> would be. And so they take a long time to gain altitude. They take a long time to lose altitude. And it so turns out that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the USGS have declared major parts of Jack County and, in fact, all around my home in Montag County and in virtually all of southern Clay County as critical stopover areas for the hooping crane. And so and, uh, they, f- they fly a 5,000-mile round trip from Aransas on the, on the Texas Gulf Coast to the Canadian Arctic where they uh, breed, have their fledglings, and come back. And they don't fly at night, so they have these stopover areas that they frequent. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife uh, uh, Service and the International Crown Founda- uh, Crane Foundation uh, the uh, American Bird Conservancy has done research on these birds with uh, uh, transmitters, GPS transmitters uh, that uh, tied to them. And they have marked definitively where these birds stop over. And they uh, refuel, they rest, they forage, and then they continue on down to Aransas in the fall. Uh, and the fall migration, and or they continue on up to northern Canada in the spring migration. We've done this, and we took it and presented it to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife. They cannot stop a wind farm company from building a, uh, uh, an industrial park here. And so basically, they can do anything they want. And uh, when we gave them our legal, uh, we presented them with a demand letter. It's our contention, and it's still our contention, that they have already uh, uh, broken the uh, Endangered Species Act by proceeding on past the level when they should have ceased and desisted because of the environment, environmental implications. They have simply said, no, we're not, and they're continuing on <laughs> and they're doing it anyway and yes. they're doing it anyway well so, you know and, and i love i love your the visual visualization of an industrial park 
in the southeast part of Jack County, we have two natural gas power plants. And they have a relatively small footprint. And they have condensation flumes that we can see for 30 to 60 miles you know, away in a, in a, in a glow of light. And, um, but, but that's a small footprint. And we can understand that's an industrial park, a plant. It's providing us electricity. To visualize for our listeners, the reason why we that it's been described as a uh, a wind farm. What's the terminology you use? A wind. We don't. The industry will call it a wind farm. It's got a nice, pleasant cachet it, to it, it. It sounds less of evasive. It. You call it a wind industrial park. A wind industrial park that is spread out over. Ooh. The, you're talking about the bottom section of two counties and the northern section of Jack County. That's right. We're talking at least a 15-mile or more or more area. But you, it gets it gets more insidious than that, uh, especially turbine uh, columns. The site uh, height of this one, the if you can see it, you lose property value. Uh, we again hired we've we've wanted to come to you with absolute facts that that can't be refuted we hired the leading expert in uh, uh, land appraisal forensic lands land appraisal he's in much in demand for expert witnesses in court cases and whatnot irrefutably the leader we had him do an analysis of the impact of wind farms to the communities in uh Monte County and Clay County. We're going to ask him to update it uh, this week. We're trying to put things together for for uh, Jack County. He says if you can see it, it's going to affect your price value. Now, if it's very far away, uh, it might only be ten percent or twenty percent. But if you're within a half a mile, it will be fifty percent. And in my case, I'm going to have turbines on three sides of me. Uh, it's going to be upwards of 70%. That's what his research mm. found. It's That's substantial. It's Well, when you have your whole life wrapped up in your house, it's yeah, substantial. It's substantial. So, it is. so what's the end? What Let's say that we have wind towers across the northern part of Jack County and southern Clay and Montague. Uh, what, what happens when they're at the end of their life? What 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 do they do with these things? As I was trying to learn more about it, I got on the internet and uh, typed into the search uh, button and uh, searched failed wind projects. And um, so it, it came up with a list of a lot of them. And I, I read a lot about what's going on in Kansas. Uh, they had 37% of the electricity in Kansas was being produced by wind turbines. It was a lot. They were the yeah. most in the United States. Um, but they're, they are having a really hard time uh, dealing with the uh, disposal of wind turbine blades and parts that are breaking down and coming apart. They, uh, so far, are not recyclable, so they just dig holes and put them in there. In California... And yet there are still towers standing where wind turbines used to be. 
and then in California, there is a stretch from, um, oh, I can't remember the city in California, to Las Vegas through some passes that are historically really windy. And it is a forest of dead wind turbines. The broken wind turbines, I, I say that because I just saw a picture that they showed as an example. All these wind turbine towers, turbines on top, and then broken blades and piles of them on the ground. One description of it was that it looked like um, oh, a scene from Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and that there's nothing at this point that they're doing. They're standing there and people drive by them all the time. And the property that they're standing on, what value is that to anyone? So it's a um, property value. Some, you know, a person might say, well, how could that really hurt that much? And um, uh, Brian uh, mentioned that if you're 20 miles away, it might not be all that much impact. I was talking with Bob Maddox, you know, the local realtor here, and he said, well, uh, this, is, this transpires uh, on occasion. Uh, someone from the Metroplex will come up. They're looking for land, and they think that Jack County's got just what they're looking for. And, and they'll say, so can you see a wind turbine from there? And they'll say, well, yeah. He said, well, take it off the list. Yeah, don't even take me out there. I don't. They don't even want to <laughs> see it. If, uh, if, if a, a turbine is visible from a piece of property, a lot of the people that have money in their pockets ready to move to Jack County just – walk away yeah. mm -hmm. so I, I, and when you think about the loss of property value that's not just a property value to the to the person that owns that property it is a loss of value to the county yeah. if 50 percent if if there was a 20 percent loss of property value county-wide and these these towers are going to be visible anywhere in the county mm -hmm. well if there's 20 percent loss of property, maybe up to 50% loss of property values. What's that going to do to the tax base of Jack County? And it's not it's going to just kill it. the, the houses right. under the turbines. You think of them as these uh, ranch houses and, and residences in and amongst the turbines in the industrial estate. It's for 20 miles on this side, and it's for 20 miles on the other side. Think of the number of residents or structures in that building whose property value let's say only 25 percent goes down there and uh it's irrefutable it it's it not only happens the moment the first ground is broken on the first turbine it's in it's irref, it's uh when it, it never goes away yep it, it never goes away and that's part of the tax base for this county. But more importantly, think of all those families that worked hard all their lives to build up a little ranch business or build their house, and in a heartbeat, uh, they're poor again. It's just taken away. It's, there's something just not right about that. And the fear of the, of the notion that as these industrial parks in another 15 or 20 years, the technology will be just will no longer be yeah. uh, germane to uh, the economy. Well, they're going to be standing there yeah. as... They'll become uncompetitive. <laughs> yes, yeah. and they're going to be just standing there. Well, and in, in, in your presentation, 
I and I think most of our listeners understand that a wind farm without the abatement and without the federal credits production tax credit that's right. it is truly not a profitable yeah. venture exactly. that's why the tax abatement that they come to the county for and school districts is so critical because that's basically their profit margin yeah, yeah. yeah. is that and a fair statement right. to say so, so just think of the inequity of this a local rancher been out struggling in the rain the cold weather pulling calves uh, to build a little nest egg business, uh, he will have the loss of tax revenue because of the benefits or the abatements that he gets or the federal taxes he pays that gets paid back to these wind companies to destroy his property value. Now, where's that's the, not the American yeah, way. Where's that's the not, logic in that? That's not the Texas way. Yeah. It's unfair, and it's, you know, I'm surrounded by ranch land where I live. I looked on Google Earth the other day. I'm in the middle of 45,000 acres. I have no neighbors. I'm all alone. But I'm going to now have 600-foot turbines, and the forest I live in is going to be destroyed. So my neighbor, who doesn't even live (laughs) in the area... And all of us are going to lose everything we've got. It's we would appeal to folks that succumb to uh, the dream that they're going to live out their life in leisure because they're going to get this free money. And there is no free money. There are costs to accepting those leases, costs that are forevermore costs, costs that you no longer have privacy on your land you don't have full control of your land you can't use it in many ways recreationally like you would have otherwise and these people will use it as a wrecking yard until somebody regulates them and we're all familiar with the railroad commission the railroad commission does a pretty good job regulating things that can be hazardous or um uh, make a mess. Nobody's going to be, re- no, at least right now, no one is regulating them. No one with power can say, don't do that or else there needs to be regulation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And we'd like to think that, you know, Jack County might think about that if they can't get federal, state, or uh, involvement in, in doing uh, regulations that enforce, that, that would be enforceable so that when a wind company says okay we're we're quitting well built into that they have to remove their equipment but realistically part of it may be impossible to remove the the thing that holds the wind tower up is a 50 by 50 by 50 chunk of concrete 200 and 2600 tons of steel reinforced concrete it didn't move anywhere. And you could imagine it's bigger than this building, weighs more than this building, and it's in the earth. It's not going anywhere. Right. They won't have money for that. So it's, uh, it's an ever more decision. We did, and we hope that, uh, that the industry becomes regulated because then people will be safe. As it is, not safe, I don't think. The only form of regulation is like we talked about this morning. 
will be because of the due diligence of, of your commissioner's court. Uh, what the federal government has failed on or what the state has failed on has to be picked up by people like you, Judge, and your commissioners. When you create the industrial reinvest, reinvestment zone, in that contract has to be, you have to think of every one of these potential areas of problematic areas, let's put it that way, from deconstruction, decommissioning, uh, setbacks. You have school buses going down these country roads. Uh, They can be hit by wind throw or blade throw just as as easy as uh, that gentleman's barn. You have to think about that. It goes on and on. And I think that we really need to be concerned about commissioners' courts like yours. You guys aren't trained in that. You've never been exposed to that. Uh, you're the most diligent one we've come across so far that's actually looking to learn about it. I know of very few consulting companies that have the technical expertise. They may have the legal expertise, but do they have the technical expertise to come in and say, no, you got to have a 30-decibel sound level at the fence line uh, or it's no good? If the wind farm comes in and says, yeah, we've got it down to 70 decibels, you've ruined the life of, of the family that lives in that, that house. They won't be able to sleep, and it just goes on. How many commissioners' courts in Texas have that type of in-house uh, uh, expertise? Very few. And it's not fair to put them in that position. So I'm, a, a, I'm very much opposed to any more regulations than absolutely necessary. It just, it's a personal feeling I have. That regulation is, is never good. But in an industry like this, they're not going to do it themselves. The federal government's not going to do it. The Texas government's not going to do it. So it falls on your lap whether you want it or not. And that's an, uh, a scary proposition. What great information. You know, the whole purpose of our podcast is to educate and inform those listeners that want to learn both sides of the story. And so I'm so glad that we took this time today to educate our listeners, to be better informed. And that was entirely my purpose of having both of you on today is to be better educated. And so then I can take this information back to the commissioner's court. We can do additional research and and make these educated decisions moving forward. And it's in the best interest of Jack County. Mm-hmm. And so, gentlemen, thank you very much for sharing this with us. I, I want you to understand, when you listen to these men's voices, you hear passion. There's also emotion. But it's very logically, and it's, and it's fact-based. This is uh, It's very easy for us to get emotionally involved to where... Um, some of the information is not necessarily factual. And it is so important for our listeners to hear that the decisions that are the, the information you've provided us today is based upon fact and things that we, can, that we can go and do our own research. As you encouraged our listeners, Google it. 
Go look for yourself. And so uh, tell me, in closing, what can uh, someone who wants to get more involved, how can they support uh, the uh, North Texas Heritage Association? Uh, who do they, where do they go? Where are you located? Are you on Facebook? What's we're, the best method? Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, we have a web page. Our web page, you can get there two ways. One is to go NorthTexasHeritageAssociation.org, and that will get you there. And we've also got one, Save the Country. We're, we want to be, uh, we want to preserve and perpetuate rural values and the rural lifestyle. We want to pass that on to our children and our grandchildren. So if you go to Save the Country, I take that back. <laughs> keep the country keep the country keep the country.org it will get you to our facebook page you can sign up there there's a petition you can sign uh if you're feeling a lot of largesse you can contribute uh, uh and it is loaded with fact-based resources that you can uh, avail yourself of i'm very impressed with both of you gentlemen we are impressed with you. Well, uh, thank you for coming in yeah, and taking no, your afternoon. We haven't met anybody like you. <laughs> I hear that all the time. <laughs> you know? Your mother tells yeah, you. Well, <laughs> usually it's my wife and my kids. <laughs> that's, that's the way it usually works. So, again, thank you so much for sharing your, your message with us. Thank you for sharing your, uh, your wisdom and your knowledge. And uh, I... I tell you what, one of my being a judge, one of the things I hope that I'm good at is is I have a passion. Um, I, I, I have a sense that I know whether somebody is passionate about what they're doing or whether somebody is just doing it out of spite. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't perceive that from either, either of you. And so, uh, again, thank you so very much for coming in today. You always have a seat here at, uh, at the table with us. I can foresee that we will probably have another podcast. Mm-hmm. I, think, um, I think as this, this is not an overnight decision. It'll be something that the commissioner's court will be uh, struggling with over the next few months. And you know, uh, as our listeners do, there is the other side. And so we might even have those individuals come in um, that may want to share their side of the story. Uh, but I guarantee you the information you've provided us today has so much value, and thank you very much. I thank appreciate you. it. Frank, take us out. <laughs>